Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Elk Shape Podcast. Today, we're bringing on a guest from Salt Lake City, a good buddy of mine. His name is Isaac Aliman. Some people refer to him as Isaac Elman. He's hilarious. Good dude fanatical mule deer bow hunter. He works for Easton Technical Products. He's in sales with them. Before that, I believe he was with Badlands. That's where I met him back in 2008. Isaac and I share some old school memories. We debate a little bit about mule deer versus elk hunting. And we also talk old school FMP, bowcast at the bird, a little nostalgia going back before social media days. And it's just a fun little podcast that we recorded together. And, and I've known Isaac a long time. He's a solid dude. So hope you enjoy. It's a quick listen. And without further ado, Isaac Elman with Easton Technical Products. Elk Shape Podcast number one six with uh, a guy from Salt Lake City I've known for a long time. He's in the hunting industry. Currently, he works for Easton Technical Products. He's quite the mule deer fanatic and archery old school guy, one of my good buddies. Isaac, what's up, buddy? How you doing, Dan? I'm doing good. Now, to say your last name, is it Alleman or Elman? No, uh, you pronounce it however you want, man, because everyone messes it up. So my last name's pronounced Aliman. Oh, that's how you say it. so close. But, but, but here's the deal. That's how you say German and Spanish, all right? <laughs> it's, it's pronounced Aliman. However... I got dark skin and a beard, and I'm in the hunting industry. And when you hear the word Aliman, you know what happens, right? <laughs> so I just tell everyone my last name's Elman. L-man, uh, beer man, okay? A lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> so what's good in 2018, brother? Oh, man. Well, 2018, I'm excited. My son is finally turning 18, graduating. That means for the last 10 years, I've been dealing with Little League football and high school football, and now I'm free, and I'm coming out of retirement. It's time for me to start hunting some muleys again. Yeah, buddy. I, man, being a dad comes first, but yes. responsibilities, um, everything's checkmarked. You're ready to come out screaming, and um, that's awesome. So you're, 
you're kind of a mule deer guy. I'm kind of an elk guy. We were talking about, well, let's debate a little bit about which is better. Obviously, before we mule start, deer. we can agree that to each his own. But uh, I definitely <laughs> wanted to give you the floor first and state your case as to why you think mule deer is better than elk hunting. Okay. So here's the thing. When, when someone kills a big mule deer, you know it's a big mule deer. Elk, they're naturally big, right? Sure, they are. Yes. So so you see a deer. I mean, elk, I mean, a lot of elk. I mean, I, sorry, I can't tell the difference between like a 400 bull to a 350 bull. I mean, I, became, I probably can. But the elk are just so big, huge. I mean, you know, they're, they always look big. Yeah. And so a mule deer, when you see a big mule deer, you know, you're like, whoa, that's a big deer. And another thing, too, I like about mule deer is when hunting them as well is you get up there in some of these areas to hunt them, you can kind of pattern them, know what they're like. But if you, like where I hunt, you bump a mule deer, you know he's eventually going to be back in that area. Where sometimes when you bump an elk, see you later, man, that elk is going, going to the next county and you're out of luck. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's, so, those are good points. I mean, I hope you have more than that or I'm crush you. What else you got? Well, let's see here. Uh, that's it, Dan. I, I can't. No, it's something I just can't explain it. It's it's you know over here in Utah, a lot of guys. There's just something about mule deer. I I don't know what it is. It's you know you got your whitetail fanatics. You got your guys who hunt elk. You know, you know. And I always joke at like, what's a high country mule deer? But I like hunting mule deer that are up high. You know, in the peaks, basically, you know, like where the billy goats are, basically. I like to train. I love the, you know, the canyons, glassing them up, looking for them. I, I, it's something I, I can't explain it, bud. I cannot explain it. <laughs> no, no doubt. So if you were left to only hunt one animal the rest of your life, it'd be a mule deer. Mule deer. It's a perfect example is, you know, being a dad and working, you know, having a family and that, you know, your time's limited to hunt. And we have a good, we have a, we're lucky to have that extended Wasatch front season over here where you can hunt. If you draw the right tag, you could hunt from August to the end of November. Yes. But then you have that late season tag from September to the end of November. And, you know, I've always, I never put them for limited entry elk, I mean, limited entry deer tags. We have the Henry's Ponsagons, but I don't like the pressure. If I draw that tag, I got to kill something over there. Right. Here in the Wasatch Front, I could be, you know, I could be on that mountain in an hour, off that mountain in a half an hour in my vehicle. And a long time to hunt, I mean, every year I put in for uh, limited entry. I have like 13 limited entry elk cat points. for. And people say, well, why do you do that? Well, I got to put in for something for limited entry, so why not elk? And they go, well, what about hunting elk? I'm like, if I could hunt elk, you know, if I draw an elk tag, I could be hunting muleys on the Wasatch Front. Right. Why would I want to do that? I mean, <laughs> I enjoy hunting muleys. So, and all my, and all my research and all the stuff I've learned and books and everything I've read and videos I've watched, I've always geared towards mule deer. And so I'd rather hunt muleys than elk. I mean, you know, if I have, if I have time to hunt, I'm not going to go hunt out of state. I mean, remember you used to invite me all the time to come and hunt with you. And I'm like, well, it's the fall, man. I could go hunt with Dan or I could hunt muleys on the Wasatch Run. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, what am I going to pick? Well, you have that going for you now. Explain to people who don't know what the Wasatch Front is and explain, and I know this, this is probably not your favorite thing to do, but will you explain how to get 
a, just a general tag for mule deer because I believe you still have to put in even if you want a general and what that gets you in Utah. Well, number one, locals only on the Wasatch Front, so we won't even go there. Okay. And uh, number two, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, so the way the Wasatch Front was is this is this is something I wish the Division of Wildlife would even look at too. Is what it is is we have what we call the you know the Wasatch Front's a mountain range that stretches you know um, all the way from you know the Salt Lake up to Ogden, and what it was is the deer were coming down in the cities quite a bit. And up these up in the canyons, you know, with a lot of ski resorts are up there, and people are building houses on their winter grounds, okay, on the benches basically. And so the, the so the Division of Wildlife, I think it was close to twenty years ago or twenty five years ago, started. You know, this they they treated it like a deprivation hunt, where you could hunt archery only from August to the end of November. You could take either sex, a buck or a doe. Now, they did this to kind of keep the deer out of the city, off the roads, and push them back up into the hills. But what it did, it created this trophy unit. And, I mean, the people who know about it, I mean, you see some of the deer that are killed off of there. I mean, it turned deer in, you know, by, by making it archery only, now that you have deer that are over, you know, 200, you know, 200 inch class deer up there. I mean, like I was able to tag out. I lucked out. I killed two deer that were 180s and you know, with the, for me, it's about spread. They're 32 inches wide. Wow. I mean, a public land hunt. So there's no rifle hunting the Wasatch Front? Nope. Here, here's the thing. There's no rifle hunting. There's no use of horses or ATVs. Wow. All right. So you have to hike in there and you archery only. And it's been that way for 25 years. So by the state making this unit a deprivation to keep the animals from coming in down to the into the city, they turned it into a trophy unit without realizing it. I see. I see. And then that. And so to put. What's the extended oh. hunt as well? What does that mean when they say extended? Yeah. So, so when they mean the extended hunt is the way it works is if you draw a tag in Utah, any archery tag, it, like you put in for your little area, you put in for that tag. If you obtain a archery, uh, archery deer tag, then come September to the end of November, that's called the extended. So then you're allowed to hunt that unit with any archery Utah tag you have. So if you have a Southern Utah archery tag, you hunt the opening of the hunt, those two weeks, the hunt ends. If you didn't tag out, then you could hunt the extended. You gotcha. have to take a class online that basically it's an R3 ethics course. And then from there you get a hunt. That's awesome. Okay. Very cool. And you can't just buy a general tag over the counter in Utah. You have to have at least put in for the draw. Yes. You have to put in for the draw. I used to be, you can buy a tag all the way up until the end of the I mean, till when the hunt started. Yeah. And not anymore. Archery has grown quite a bit in Utah. Yeah, I see. Uh, for that. So that's why you always see these guys talk about, like, I got a, a guy that works here who says, you guys, Utah's different from Idaho. Idaho guys are all about the elk. You, Utah's the only state I know that's all about the mule deer. <laughs> that's cool. And, and I get it, man. I mean, you have an awesome area up there. And it can go from the valley floor, which is what, like 5,000 feet up to... Roughly, yeah, around there. Up, up to, to like uh, uh, 10. I think there's 10. There's a few peaks that I think are probably over 10. Yeah, and it's beautiful country now. But the thing is, it's all vertical, It's all, but it's all vertical. So you're gaining, you know, 2,000 vertical feet within like, you know, a mile sometimes because it's all just steep country. Now, what's the hunting pressure like? Because everybody from Salt Lake seems like they have a flat brim on and they shoot a Hoyt bow and they've got their Easton arrows and everybody's humping the hills. Is it pretty competitive? Well, they, 
Well, Dan, because of, you know, guys like you who teach fitness, you know, all these guys are in shape now yeah. and they're just, <laughs> and they're all at the top of the hills between, between you, you know, you know, Cameron. And of course, let's not forget FMP. I yes. mean, they're the ones that, you know, you know, that just started something there that, that Wasatch hunt now, these last few years, I mean, it has, it's unbelievable. I mean, some of these people that are in shape that. Like, I always think I'm good. I'm good. I, I don't need to work out. And then I get up there and I see these guys just passing me, climbing these hills, like unbelievable. But like opening morning, Dan, I'll tell you right now, if you draw just that general tag, the first season tag for that, you know, for this Wasatch Front area. Yeah. You will see a spotting scope and a guy skyline on every peak over there. <laughs> I believe it. Wow. <laughs> Well, let me get back to this uh, mule deer versus elk hunting. I think okay. mule deer hunting is phenomenal, and I love dabbling with it. I wish my own state in Idaho would allow us to hunt archery in August because there ain't much going on, and um, I would love to spend that time in the high country. But once September hits, man, the thing about a mule deer buck is he cannot bugle. He does not bugle yes. at all, and that is the coolest sound in the world. It, I'm infatuated with that sound, and I can interact and vocalize and speak their language. And so that's one part that I don't – I would say the elk hunting has a leg up on is just the vocalization and the whatnot. Some elk live in alpine country, but, man, most don't. They live on, you know, subalpine, uh, under timberline and whatnot. But I will say if you shoot an elk – you're looking at two and a half mule deer minimum as far as meat comparison. And I feel yes. like if I was hungry enough, I might be able to eat the entire backstrap off a of mule deer in a <laughs> sitting, whereas an elk, not so much. So pound for pound, feeding a family, I definitely think I put more pre like, pre like precedence on shooting an elk for the freezer every year because it's going to fill the freezer up and I'd have to really stack up mule deer. I do think mule deer meat is really good. I do think elk has a little bit better flavor It's a, and it's a little bit thicker cuts and so it's a little bit more like a cow, like a beef cow as far as getting bigger cuts and whatnot. But the bugling thing is, is the one thing that kind of separates, you know, where once September rolls around, I could give a shit less about mule deer. But <laughs> before that, I think mule deer hunting because there's a, it is a special type of hunt when you're hunting backcountry and you're, everything's on your back including all your glass that it takes to hunt mule deer effectively and and pattern them deer and and really it's hard i mean mule deer are way spookier they're way i mean they just are and i think they are possibly harder to kill to be honest with you you know it, it's true it, you know it, it goes both ways because there are guys who say well yeah like the true like other mule deer guys well you could call in an elk you can't call in a mule deer and so but like I tell a lot of people, I go, a lot of times problems though with elk is you have a herd, so you have a bunch of eyeballs around you. So, right. yeah. I mean, so it's so hard to compare the two, but you know, it's, the, it's like you said, the style of hunting though, because like what I've learned with elk is a lot of it is in the thick, you know, thick areas, you know, uh, when, when you're hunting, you, you know, you're not able to sit there, some areas you're not able to glass them up. You have to call, listen, and go in this thick old brush and you, you always wonder how can an elk get through yeah so i finally had my i had my first experience with a bow hunting elk myself my buddy told me buy a tag and i went and bought a tag at walmart because that's one thing about utah is you could buy a tag i mean i think there's unlimited tags in utah just depending on if it's a spike unit or any bull unit but again the wasatch front you could kill either sex a cow or a you know or a bull 
right over there and the archery season actually goes from august to the december 15th i believe yes and so the elk are getting you know are actually getting our population is getting really good in that area but i went for the first time and i know what you mean by the elk bugling man and having an elk come by you at 19 yards but then again i'm in such thick country there's no shot right and that's the most frustrating thing in the world dan oh man <laughs> It's tough being full drawn and you can't find a window. Um, <laughs> yeah. You mentioned FMP, and so I always have to assume people don't always know what we're talking about. So FMP, Full Moon Productions, you and I have mutual friends that started this company back before uh, the social media blitz. And this guy's is Anthony Dixon and Sean Munson and a couple other guys. Let's let's go back. Let's go old school. Let's talk about Full Moon Productions and what those videos did for you. Because I know we both were really inspired. I think I watched my first FMP video in the early 2000s, and it changed me significantly. And I'll talk about that in a second. But give give our listeners a background on FMP and old school. So actually, so F, I wasn't even in the I wasn't even in the archery at the time when I first learned of FMP. I actually was in the rifle and muzzleload hunting. And the Wasatch Front, we used to hunt with a rifle. And when they shut it down to archery only, I was like, screw archery. I'm done. I'll never carry a bow. I can't believe they're doing that to the Wasatch, you know, where I used to hunt growing up. So I was anti-archery for so long. And so then I started learning more and more about it and went into an archery shop and saw, boom, my wife goes, hey, there's a movie premiering at uh, Broovies. You know, it's a movie theater in Utah where you can have a beer and watch a movie. Yep. And I'm like, what is this FMP? And the guy who owned the shop, Gerald Olson, greatest guy you'll ever meet in the <laughs> yeah, world, yeah. was part of it. Says, you should go. Come and check it out. Because you got to remember, Dan, this was back when, you know, what do we have? We had white tails all over the place, right? Yep. I mean, everywhere you go on TV, ESPN used to show hunting movies on white tail. Other than that, we had Eastman's hunting, which was great and informative, but... You know, it was just more talking and learning. It wasn't very exciting. You know what I mean? It wasn't, didn't have, you know, it was hard to relate because Mike is a great guy, but watching him on film talk was just, okay, you're learning, but it wasn't exciting. And then other than that, we had Monster Muley's Forum. There was no Facebook, Instagram. I mean, that was it. That's all we had. Yep. Then FMP comes and holy cow. I mean, it reminds me of like the back in the day when used to watch skateboarding movies you know when skateboarding dv uh yes yeah vhs came out yep here we go and the i remember the thing said it goes just a couple of guys with 40 a couple of friends with 40 dollar tags in their pocket hunting public land mule deer and it's like holy cow he had it to rock music i mean they were shooting distance at deer i mean the thing was it was probably the coolest thing I've ever at the time. Like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, when I first watched FMP, um, I put it in. And I remember, I think I was living with my dad. I just just was in college. And um, I just got a bow. And it was a Martin Pantera. And I had a little bit of success on whitetails. And I was just had cut my teeth on elk hunting but knew nothing about mule deer. And these guys roll up in their predator camo. With uh-huh. with short, they cut them into shorts. Anthony's yep. <laughs> made a Hoyt hat into a visor, and yes, <laughs> they obsessively painted their faces all, like over the top, like military what, grade camo. What everybody's doing now, they were doing that. I mean, this was back in two thousand four. Yeah, is when they were doing it back then. 
I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, Anthony had on, uh, actually it was a Smith visor that he converted into a hunting, you know, into oh, a hunting one. Okay. Yeah. And then he, I remember he made a, a pretty influential impact on me when he would, they would hike in and they showed this in the video, they'd hike their 3d targets and created their own range in the Wasatch. Yes. And they, uh -huh. they talked about perfect practice and they would wear their packs and they'd take these steep angled shots. And then he shows his range finder and he had put his homemade altimeter on the side of it to where yes. he could measure the pitch. And then he had a cut chart like a quarterback would for calling plays. And he'd look at his cut chart and he made himself a little Excel spreadsheet cut nice and tight. And he'd like be able to decide what yardage to cut. And he just was talking about stuff I'd never even thought of. Like, I never thought that you would, like, the arc of an arrow, you had to worry about, you know, the trajectory angle and, and all this stuff. It was huge for me. I mean, it really, like, inspired me to really dig deep into the archery. And I remember I bought a Hoyt because of it. I mean, I went down to the pro shop and bought a Hoyt right away because Anthony could group arrows at 80 yards on a mule deer 3D target. And I'm like, it's got to be the bow, you know. And uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember that made a huge impact on me, but it was funny that I got to know those guys. I actually even shared a camp with them years later, but um, now I consider them really good friends. But those guys started the you know really making skateboard ski type movies in archery. Yes, I've never seen them. I think there's at least two or three out. There's um, the there's so 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 there's FMP three sixty. Yes, there's the ride. There's proof. And I believe there's Project Black as oh. that after proof. I think that's Definitely. those are the ones. Yep. And and for anyone listening, you got to realize though, you got Anthony, you know FMP. The way they think, man, he thought outside of the box before anyone else. I mean, a perfect example is his favorite band is the band Tool. All right, he didn't want to be mainstream media cool. I mean, he wanted to do his thing on his terms. So each video you see is different. Yes. I mean, people. People slam that second video, but he went, you know what? I give them props because they tried something different, something cool. And you know what? He had the balls to do it. And you know what? Good on him because, you know, people laughed at it, made jokes about it because it was, you know, kind of corny. But you watch it now and you step back and you look what he did then, what he was willing to do back then. Come on, man. It, it was genius. I mean, you don't know unless it worked, unless you try it, right? Yeah, those guys were awesome, and they they really were good mentors for me. And and one thing that's funny is we're podcasting right now. Those guys actually started the the very <laughs> very first podcast before podcasts were a podcast. Do you remember that? This was, this okay? So yeah, because I was that's when I started working at uh I started working at Badlands, and it was a two thousand eight. And uh, Sean Moss says, "Yeah, we're doing a podcast. It's called Bowcast." I'm like, "What the hell's a podcast?" I'm like, what? It's a, it's like a, it's like YouTube. I'm like, no. I'm like, well, what is it? And he tried to explain it to me. I'm like, I don't get it. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> and I had no clue. They were so ahead of their time. And and so they started basically bringing guests on. I know I was a guest at one point and talking about different topics and getting into technical archery. And they were recording back when there wasn't a lot of options for platforms. And they were no. They they, they got it on the internet so you could literally listen to them. Anil Aroni out of Colorado helped, yes. helped them start it. And then I remember that uh, the very first bowcast at the Bird. Well, yes. the first year was not at the Bird Ski Resort, but I remember going down there with Sean DeGray was there, and yes. we shot 
somewhere in some winter range and shot 3D targets. And I, I remember I drove down for this and hung out. and It was just a family reunion. And then the next year they said, okay, we're doing it at Snowbird. And it was the first that I had heard of of going up a mountain, a ski resort, in the summer and shooting crazy shots at animals. And uh, now it's called the Total Archery Challenge. Total Archery Challenge, yes. But before it that, it was bowcast at the bird. Correct. And so, and what's and what's different? So, I mean, people that you know that follow three D courses and that, I mean, they're used. You know, they're used to the style. Like you go to your local club, and also going to the you know the biggest one here in the West. I know was Reading, the right. Reading three uh, D right. shoot. Yep. Where you do where you do keep score. You shoot. You know, two arrow score. Everything's marked the way it's set up. And this shoot, you know, for people because. You know, I work now that I work at Easton, you know, when they talk about 3D, they're talking something different than what I for me. 3D is I'm going to go shoot 3D targets and have fun. But people over here, you know, the competitors, they say we shoot 3D. It's all about score and rules and things like that. Yep. This total archery challenge. I mean, there's nothing like it. I mean, the way that setup is because, you know, you're basically hiking down. You're, you take a tram to what, like 11,000 feet. Yep. And then you're hiking down, taking some crazy shots. I mean the angles and everything you're getting on these shots. I mean, you got to, I mean, it, it's a rough shoot and you got to be prepared for that. And you better bring a lot of arrows. Oh my gosh. Yes. So, oh, real quick. I got to tell you a funny story though, Dan. So I never told you this, but back in the day, uh, you know, cause I said like, Sean, you worked with Sean and Anthony and them and you were, so was it you that introduced him to CrossFit? Yeah. You know, so Anthony's wife, was doing CrossFit for the longest time. I think her name's Lynn, and she yeah. was doing CrossFit. And I had just opened a CrossFit back in 08. So yeah, we were we were definitely chatting about CrossFit because his wife was really into it. In fact, she probably oh. still is. <laughs> so what's funny about this though is is we were talking about working out and everything, and and this was years ago, and that's when I first heard about you because Sean's all, yeah, we got this guy and he's helping us out. He does CrossFit, this whole CrossFit thing. Try explaining it to me. And I'm like, man, that sounds crazy. I'm like, wow, really? And then, I mean, then I started hearing CrossFit get, you know, bigger and bigger. And I'm like, dude, I think the guy that invented that is helping FMP. <laughs> that <is> you. <laughs> no. I remember thinking like, because I never heard about it until them. And again, they were on the, you know, the, you know they were way well ahead of their time. Because then after that, I started seeing all this CrossFit stuff pop up. And I'm like, what the heck? I remember thinking I remember thinking you were the one that invented it. Yeah, no, if I did, I probably wouldn't be podcasting right now. <laughs> That's true. No, definitely. That is true. Man, I, I miss those guys a lot. I mean, I haven't really stayed in good contact with either one of them, but um, just really good dudes. And I like talking about just the short history because archery has changed so much so fast. And uh, there's so many people in the hunting industry I don't even know anymore. I'm kind of uh, an older school guy before the social media, before, you know, yep. you had to have all that, you know. I was, how did that happen? How did that happen? How I did don't we become know. the old guys? Well, I, all of a sudden, we're the old guys. <laughs> it's just the digital era came in. And I remember, man, I used to write so many articles. I'd always have a deadline and have an article due for Bowhunter Magazine or a Sportsman's Warehouse or even um, – western hunter and and i got a few pieces into eastman's i mean that was a big deal now man it's like it's about posting the photo before and, and there's no like surprise you already know what everybody 
experienced. You know what I mean? Whereas yes. before it used to be like Christmas, like you didn't know who harvested what until you read the magazines, if it was uh-huh. really something special and they could articulate their story, you know. Correct. And it's not like that anymore. It's very it, interesting. It, it used to be word of mouth, remember? It used to be word of mouth. Hey, I heard so-and-so killed this animal. I heard, you know, well, what did he kill? I'm not sure before foam pictures went through, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, last, like I tell everyone, last time I killed a, a big deer was, I mean, I had a blackberry. Okay, and Instagram wasn't around. All right, it's been a minute since I've killed anything. And <laughs> but it's just it's so kids changed. know, like blackberries were kind of cool because they were the first phones where you could have email on your phone. <laughs> exactly. So remember that. I mean, that's the truth. Uh huh. And that's now why I had one. Now it's you can almost get away with taking all your filled photos, magazine quality from an iPhone. It's ridiculous. Now, well, like I said, on my um, for me for social media, I mean, you see, I make all these little fun videos, and I do it all with my my cell phone and just the app on the cell phone. I mean, iMovie, and I'm always cutting up, making fun little videos here and there. Yeah, I mean, it's stuff that you know years ago would have been get the camera, record it, then you know get the other footage, record it, bring it home, download it to the computer, try to cut it up and everything. Now I do it. I'll be in a meeting. And I'll be making a fun video sometimes. Dude, that's awesome. I mean, it's strange how everything's, you know, how, how fast everything's changed. Well, since you do work for Easton, and I happen to be a huge fan of Easton Arrows, I mean, um, you know I run FMJs. Is there any new arrow coming out this year? Like, do, let's talk a little bit of Easton since we got yeah, you sure. here. Like, what's uh, what's a good arrow for out west guys looking to hunt elk? So, so right now, you know, the FMJ is probably still one of our best arrow. Now, we make the FMJ, you know, we make it in three different arrows now. Yeah, four, so five, before, six. So, yeah, so before people, you know, the, people used to know it. We used to have the, we had the H-knock, the G-knock, and the X-knock. Now we just made it simple. We're going millimeters. So we have our six millimeter FMJ. We have our five millimeter. That's the first one we came out with, and that's that standard one. Yep. A uh, five millimeter FMJ has the hit insert in it. Uh, we offer that now. One of the new things you saw, we brought back the old school uh, camoed hunter arrow. Yeah, and buddy. we put that on that it's a limited edition run on that and then we have our deep six injection four millimeter fmj but for this year new we came out with a titanium brass insert because there's some guys that don't want to shoot the deep six broadhead so we came out with a titanium uh insert uh, outsert basically yeah that you can glue into a four millimeter and shoot your standard broadheads with it still and that titanium outsert weighs 55 grains so you know there's it's brand new. We came out with it. We're selling them in a six pack. I can't I believe for thirty nine ninety nine, and then so that's with the four millimeter. For the five millimeter this year for FMJ, we came out with the match grade, which uh, so the arrow straightness on our typical FMJ is you know is a point zero zero three the lowest. Mm-hmm. So this year we came out with the match grade where the FMJs are guaranteed to be a point zero zero one. So wow. we did that with the five millimeter FMJ, and also we did it with our five millimeter axis arrow because. Some guys don't want the FMJ, the dual carbon. Some guys still like plain carbon arrows. So uh, the Axis 5mm is still one of the you know best arrows we have out there. Yeah. Now, which one can you only find in a pro shop? Uh, so pro shops there, I believe, is, uh, the match grade, I believe. You're going to see the match grade at the the FMJs and the Axis arrows. That's awesome. We'll be in, we'll be in the pro shops. And, then some of, and also some of the other shops, too. Another thing is we teamed up with... Uh, uh, knocked out the light and knocks clean shot and we're offering some of the arrows in a six pack with uh you know like the free like the free prize inside with a free light and knock 
So that's something new uh, we're doing. We teamed up with them, and you know, uh, some people like those Latin oxen. Well, you know what? Let's 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 give somebody. You know, remember when you used to buy the box of cereal and you get a cool prize inside? Yeah, we're bringing that back. We're bringing that back, buddy. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> I like everyone likes a good little surprise. Yeah, a lot of Latin Knox are legal in most states. I know Idaho is still behind the times, and I really wish they'd switch because I can run them in Washington and and most other states I go to, but Idaho still no lighted knox state which just drives me nuts but uh man if you've never used lighted knocks they're pretty hip as far as even practice knowing right where your arrow went especially on a shot on an animal i mean it's just a no-brainer yes i don't it's I don't, a lot of fun i don't see any downside to them i, I just don't understand the argument i mean, i guess technology whatever they need a threshold but man i think that's something that could really help everybody else out you know you know the the only thing I the only thing I've been hearing on it though is everybody is like FOCs the the thing again. Yeah. I mean, yeah, extreme FOC, so they're so people will steer away from them. But honestly, they don't put. I'm not sure what the grains are on that. I, uh, but I've shot them and I've not. You know, just even practicing at 70 yards, I've not noticed a huge, huge difference. I mean, you know, it's only a couple. You know, and a lot of that could be me shooting as well. But they're actually. I mean. They're pretty nice to shoot with. I, I, I really enjoy them. And they're actually, I think they're that company's based out of your uh, your home state. I think they're based out of Washington. Oh, really? The, yeah, yeah, clean shot. Yep. I'll have to look them up. Yeah, I so, think that's cool. awesome. Light and knocks don't put that much weight on the back end. I think maybe 10 grains at the most, somewhere right around that number. No. It's nothing yeah. significant, especially if you run weight up front. I mean, I'm a huge front of center guy. I run your guys' brass inserts up front. Um, the 50 to 75 grain. I usually snap them off at 50 and uh, build my own arrows. That's kind of something that I've always felt like was really important was to build your own arrows and to index them specifically. And, and, and I think I've told people before, I start off every year with 48 <coughs> arrows and I'll get it whittled down to a dozen of exact what I'm looking for. And I think that's important for everybody. And you can never have enough too many, you can never have too many arrows. No, it's true. It's exactly. And, and that's another thing too. When you start talking to uh, elk guys and mule deer guys, so this, you got the mule deer guys who they want a light, fast arrow. Yeah. And, you know, adult guys, they want the heavier arrow. So it's, I mean, it's, uh, that's like, so another thing we did this year is we have, a, we have a line of arrows. We have one called the Bloodline and a Hex. And they are, they're a six millimeter arrow. They're a lightweight arrow, but we now offer them, uh, they have an option to buy them with the brass insert. Oh, awesome. With those as well. So two FOC arrows, uh, the difference between the two is the Bloodline, the straightness is a .003. And the hex is a point zero zero one, right? And that's that light. And, but then again, you don't have to use the brass insert. You could have put you know another ins uh, regular insert in it, and super lightweight, fast arrow for again the guys you know antelope hunters and mule deer guys love a lightweight, fast arrow is what I've learned. Definitely. So I know we're you're, you got another meeting to get to. So um, what what broadhead are you running for your mule deer setup this year in the Wasatch? So I. Uh, I got. I always have a few broadheads in there. Yes. So my go-to broadhead, Grim Reaper. Yeah. Grim Reaper six. Uh, I use. I. I shoot. I still shoot the. I shoot a five millimeter FMJ. Yeah. But I use a deep six twenty-five grain steel insert in it. Sure. So I still shoot deep six. So I shoot Grim Reapers my go-to. And then for a fixed blade, I try. I saw. I just learned. Found those Kudu. Uh, Kudu broadheads. Yeah. Uh, well, let's see here. Last year. And I was impressed. They're single beveled. The way they fly, I mean. And one thing I've found is there's not a lot of vents in a you know that fixed broadhead. Some of broadheads I feel have a lot of vents in them. They're they whistle when they you do. shoot. They do, yeah. Man, that kudu. I mean, at, at at eighty yards was 
I, I was actually impressed for how well they flew compared to my uh, field point. And then, of course, the Grim Reaper, it's, you know, I don't even got to worry about changing, you know, from a field point to a, you know, expandable Grim Reaper because it's money. You know, you're dead on right there. Yeah, those guys are awesome, and they haven't sold out, which is huge. And no. um, I was so torn between Grim Reaper's Pro Series. They had a micro Hades three blade that I was trying out last year, and I was comparing it to um, Iron Will broadheads that just came out of Colorado. But their Iron Will are vented. I know they're fixing that right now, but they're vented, and I sh I can shoot inside my gym out to forty. And yeah. so in a closed setting, I could really hear the difference between the broadheads as far as just sound. And I know that an animal does not need to hear any extra noise coming at them. And that screams duck, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and then when I was handling those pro series, I, was, I cut my hand on broadheads, which I've never done before. That's how sharp the Grim Reaper pro series come out of the box. So sharp that you better handle with care. I've never had that happen before. You should check those out too. I'll check them out. Well, actually, I, I think Matt gave me some prototypes of the is it the fixed blade Hades? I yes, think. Yes, that's them. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, and he, he actually had a, some prototypes in a deep six. So he gave me some of those to try out because again, I where I, where we hunt, we can hunt mule deer, and I we've been seeing a lot more elk there. And you know that big debate expandables for which animal. I've just got to the point to where I have expandables and regular broadheads. I know how they fly. I got them in my quiver. Yeah, I mean, definitely. to have both. You never, you never know. So um, I know you got to run. What? Uh, where can people follow You're, you? Are you kind of an Instagram guy, or are you? Uh, where, where can people keep up with you? Oh, I'm I'm on Instagram, but my Instagram stuff is really. I mean, you know, when you see my Instagram stuff, it's a lot of hip hop music, uh, '80s, '90s movie references mixed in with hunting, yes. and a lot of fam and a lot of family stuff and sarcastic humor. So and sometimes inappropriate humor. But Ooh. you can find me on Instagram. It's under I Elman seventy six. My son's on there. He's got the same name as me. Uh, the way, you, you know, if you see, you know, you end up see Isaac Aleman, you'll see him. He, he's, just, he's just a white version of me. Takes after his mom. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but, awesome. And he's actually, he's actually been the killer in the family. I haven't killed anything since 2010, and he's been, but he's been on a roll. So he's been the killer in the family. <laughs> uh, this is dad's year, finally, which is cool. And I'm before those years of putting the kids first, but those years are coming my days are numbered, yeah. and uh, exactly, I can appreciate what you've gone through, and you've planted a seed, and you know, your son's hooked, and uh, that's, I mean, that's huge. That's everything. Yes, it is. I mean, it's so much fun, because, well, like I tell it explains a lot of stuff to people, you know. I've only killed, I only killed uh, three, 3.5 deer with my bow, Dan, okay? <laughs> uh, the, 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 the 0.5 is a whitetail. Yeah. <laughs> No, but, and so, but I don't, you know, you're in that moment, you're, the adrenaline's going, you shoot, and like, I, I tell everybody all the time, man, when I shot my deer, you know, with my, you know, with my bow, it was like, it was like the first time I had sex. It was over way too fast, I didn't know what I was doing, yep, okay? Exactly. <laughs> so, and you don't remember any of it, but when I'm with my son, and I've been with people who hunt, you know, being there, helping them shoot, I mean, I, I remember other people taking down an animal, before I remember mine, because you're in that moment, it goes down, you walk up on it, and you're like, what just happened? So, that's what's, so I've actually had more fun taking my son and family members, watching them kill and kill for myself. Dude, that's so cool. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate it, uh, you coming on today, and really talking that old school stuff, that is just nostalgia for me, just to 
to relive those guys. And hopefully, maybe Sean or Anthony get a chance to listen to this and and realize, man, we still talk about them. Mad respect for what they did. So innovative back in the day, and and pretty. Yeah. Imp- then they made a big impression on me. That's for sure. And and I hope to do the same for others that they did for me. Man, they need to do like a re- like the Kiss reunion tour or something like that. I mean, come back and. I told him you should come back and do a re-release of these movies and do it at a movie theater. Go across and travel and just do them old school. You know, invite people to come out to a movie theater with their kids, whatever, and watch these videos and movies and just have a good time. I mean, my son grew up on these, and now that he's done, you know, he didn't really didn't care about it. But now that he's been hunting and he's done with high school sports, and he, you know, he killed a deer this year. We came home and we watched all the videos. And then my son the other day gets all excited. He goes, Dad, Dad, Anthony Dixon just followed me on Instagram. This is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, those are good dudes, really good dudes, and I miss them. That's awesome. Well, man, thanks for coming on today. I know you're busy and uh, love shooting it with you, and keep doing what you're doing, and we'll stay in touch. All right, brother. Thanks for having me on. Take care. All right, Isaac. Take care, brother. See you later. Bye.